Hey, helpers. This is Being the Work. I'm Blakely Adams. And I'm Ben Wire. And we're glad you're here for our weekly check-in and journey through the bizarre lives of us as therapists and really good friends. We are glad you're here to join in on the discussion. As you know, we have a weekly question that we challenge each other to walk through and explore and consider in balancing out our lives as therapists and human beings. Quick disclaimer, though. We're licensed mental health professionals by day, but over here, we're just your hosts. This show is for social connection and enrichment, not a guidebook for your specific life or for your treatment. It's always okay for you to reach out for help, so please check out the resources for mental health support that we put on our show notes. Join the conversation, be connected, and doing and being the work. So Blakely, our last episode, we talked about doing and being the work. And we talked about it in terms of just all the variations of of how we could think of that. Our focus can turn to doing the checklists and focusing on other people and not focusing on ourselves, not focusing on our well-being and being the best versions of ourselves. And we also talked about being authentic and what we can do to be the best versions of ourselves. Yeah. You know, we landed at a, at a conclusive place of that authenticity elusive thing, right. Of being our, our best, most authentic version of ourselves. Right. And it seems like that, merged into a question that Ben probably had for me. <laughs> of course, but it's not just that. It's it's also a question for me, too. I need to know what's what's kind of like my own stuff, you know? And and Yeah. If our own stuff is getting in the way. Yeah, and it's it's not even that it's if it gets in the way, but it's ha- knowing how we influence and impact the whole process. And so that led us to you know, this week's question about going to therapy. So, ah, uh, therapy for the therapist. This is an amazing conversation. So, let's get into it. Let's do it. Blakely, I have a, I have a question uh, for you. I'm ready, man. And for everyone else. I think. That's listening. Okay. The question is, how do you know it's time to go to therapy for yourself? Well, uh, is the sun up? Is the sun up? (laughs) It's, It's about that time, man. The here and now today reaction to that question is, oh... I know because I feel it, I feel that dragging behind me with a handful of other things on my to-do list that I have sort of uh, Mm. tossed in this backpack I carry on my back a lot. Uh, So I think I may have cruised past the actual green light of, hey girl, time to go. Like now, (laughs) it's now. Um. Ah, shit. That's a really hard one because I also. Okay. If I'm being really honest, the other part of that question is really tough because I have not been to therapy individually um, since for probably about 15 years, which, yes, means I bypassed a couple of phases that. I personally would have chosen to um, if I had the both internal and financial resources mm. to do so. And I, I feel like this, uh, I feel a chunk of that self-care guilt for skipping out on that because there's yeah. a, there are a couple of heavy weights that just have to hang out with me because I, I haven't, I haven't tackled that. Mm-hmm. The, one thing you said that caught me was um, 
that you're dragging this behind you. And you also mentioned a backpack that's heavy. Mm-hmm. And I got this picture in my head that you're a little, you were a little kid dragging a heavy backpack behind you and looking just like, God damn, I don't want to be <laughs> holding this anymore. Can someone take it? Help. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that image is in my head because my <laughs> my almost three-year-old is in preschool for the first time. And man, she hauls that backpack like a champ. And I don't know how. It's bigger than she is. And that, yeah, yeah like it's, it's full, man. There's a lot, there's a lot in there. And that's just it. Like I know that the bag is too full for my own good. Like I don't have to do that. So why am mm-hmm. I still doing it? I know better. I know better. Practice what you preach. Well, blah, I mean, blah, you want to answer that question? Which one? Why are you still holding it? Because there's, I mean, there's a reason, right? Well, that's just it. It's about the, I think the question is more, why am I still dragging it? Because I have to hold it. It's mine. It's my experience. They're my, they're my experiences, my life, mm-hmm. my feelings, my stuff, my thoughts. I have to hold them, but I don't have to drag them. And the process of going from dragging to holding also feels like weight. Mm-hmm. And so I justify it by I have a full plate in my life and my time is limited and my money is limited and my blah, 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 blah. I can do that all day long. But it's the same old thing of the first thing to fall off of our caseload is our own wellness. Mm-hmm. And I'm so aware of that, but I still spiral into it to avoid. Because I just don't want to take on the mental toll of doing it. Yeah. My mental energy is given to other people. Or to more fun things. But I know I need to because my energy, I could have more energy. I... Do not have to have all that shit lingering behind me. I I just don't have to do it this way. So why am I? I don't know if I have an answer to that exactly. Not one that makes sense. Not one that's logical or clear or actually justifies me avoiding it. Do you feel like, I mean, I, I, I feel like there's just a, another layer of the mental health stigma in our country uh that is among helpers absolutely oh my gosh a bit hypocritical yeah because i am i'm stuck on this i won't go really i think the most the simplest answer to why i'm not going now is i've procrastinated it for so long that i'm embarrassed like hold on i put it off from when that that thing happened. I put it off from when that relationship happened. I put it off from when, like, I put it off. And yeah. I do have to acknowledge that part of that was, ooh, at the time of my life, I didn't even, I didn't have, I had a job and I had my own apartment, but I did not have health insurance. And really, that was hard to make work. I didn't, it felt like a massive privilege that I just didn't yeah. have. And I have resources now that I didn't have then. So, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like a, I feel like the bad therapist who didn't go to therapy for her own therapy shit. And now I can't therapy because I'm a bad therapist. I didn't <laughs> and then I have to go to a therapist and say, this is how bad of a therapist I am. I'm really bad. Right. But it's just. Yeah. Ugh, the, the mind stuff that spools out when I consider yeah. it doesn't make it seem like, oh, yeah, let me just right. go and find who I want to do that with. How much of it has been a barrier like. To go. Because you don't know that anyone can be a good, good enough therapist for you. Because <laughs> I have had this experience for a long time. For a long time, I, you know, when I when I started therapy, I was like, yeah, everybody should go to therapy. Like, and I do believe that when I started being a therapist, I was like. You know, I was in, I was young, I was naive. I was like, everybody should go to therapy. Like, we all need, we all need help. 
Yeah. Um, it'll all help us. And, and, you know, of course, I still believe this, but I'm not naive anymore. Like, I've yeah. seen the world and all of its kind of crap and all of its right. awesomeness. Well, because it's just never that simple, right? No, no, it's not. Of course, everyone should go to therapy. But hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm also hyper aware today of the challenges of navigating seeking out mental health treatment of any kind, not to mention the kind that actually fits your needs and with someone who you feel connected Mm -hmm. to and in a place and time and that actually clicks. What are some of those things that you're talking about navigating? Oh, I'm talking about my spouse's employee assistance program that offers two sessions. I'm talking about. Oh, that's it? No, I think it's three. Hold on. Sorry. That wasn't generous enough. It's three because solve your problems in three hours or they're not solvable. Um, God. And then on top of that, the health insurance that we have and what the, the parameters of that are. Um, we are in COVID world right now. We're considering, do you meet with someone via telehealth? Do you try to find someone who meets in person? Is that worth the risk actually like mm-hmm. to your physical health to manage your mental health? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, my, my life schedule is just strange. So I have to figure out if I can find someone who fits into this narrow window of time that I can focus on just me. Mm. Fridays yeah. at eight, I think, maybe, are what I have yeah. right now. It's like um, the middle of that Venn diagram of what insurance covers, how much how much it actually will cost out of pocket, your schedule, um, where, and where and how they meet. Who that is. And then, okay, so let's assume that all that happens. Well, hold on, hold on. Who the hell is that person? How do they operate? I have. Yeah. Will you ever, will you even connect with that person? Ben may be a little bit more cautious to conclude his opinions. I am an incredibly opinionated person. I have my own ideas before I even get there. I tell you, I will judge this person before I arrive because I will have read their profile and I will say either you can't do that many different kinds of therapy. That's ridiculous. Or you, I don't like that kind. Ew, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Wait. Wait, are you saying are you saying you'll you'll read their psychology today profile and go, Ew. how in the world are you an expert on all of those things? On 27 different kinds of therapy? Yeah, I have big yeah. questions. I have big questions there. Yeah. So the by the time all of it's not just it like I've never seen a Venn diagram quite this convoluted mm-hmm. that the circles just layer and layer and layer and layer and layer. And then I feel like I have this little. Threading a needle, it's threading a fucking needle right and that's before i ever even show up Mm -hmm. and i do i realize that all of my clients go through that too right and yeah i think that most of them are probably a little bit more courageous than i am in in a lot of ways i agree i agree with you oh absolutely they inspire me all the time they've got Mm -hmm. resources that i cannot muster for sure and that's what I think contributes to the stigma. And I think it contributes to a, really a disservice to the general populace. I'm not an expert beyond you. I've seen things. I know things. I've experienced things. And I've read things that maybe you haven't. But at the end of the day, you're showing up here when I can actually say, I'm not doing that for me. But maybe I could let them inspire me a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe that just told me something to look at. To push myself there. Because I can't, I can't find the push, man. Well, this will also do it since I'm just putting it on blast. Well, I think that, I don't know, the super therapist thing to do, but filtering it through the trans theoretical model of change. <laughs> like, I have, I guess I have attempted this on myself as well. Where am I at, man? You're at least in preparation stage of change when you're talking about it openly, you know, and. and but Ben, this is me. And you are probably aware that I have been in a preparation stage for years. When you put it out there, you're asking for accountability. I am. Truthfully, I am. Yeah. You're ready for some accountability, knowing that this is necessary, not necessarily feeling like you've got all of it figured out yet, but that you know you need to. Um, 
talking about the inspiration of your clients who have shown you what it's like to do that and to trust someone. And I think for me, it's a humbling experience to embrace the fact that I'm a human and not just a therapist. Ben, are you telling me I need to humble a little? Are you bringing me down a peg? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I am. I can laugh about it because as I'm talking about this, I realize how I use an egomaniacal sort of armor to push back on stuff sometimes. Like, eh. And I've used, I've used some of that shit for a long time. And part of my authentic self-process. And honestly, this project means a ton to me. And if I am connecting with my peers on this level and asking all of us to consider our wellness an actual priority, then I have got to do it. I have to do it. It's a new level of accountability and it's a new level of motivation for me. So yeah, you may be onto something with the model change. <laughs> I'm okay at this point to admit that I am in a, in a really challenged place of, all right, all right, all right. I've waited long enough. I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to do it for the people around me. I'm going to do it for the people who are listening. I'm going to do this. And I know I have the gift of knowing that you have much more recent experiences with pushing yourself through this process than I have. And I just wonder what comes to your mind when I'm talking about it. Selfishly, I wonder what you have to share. Of course. I want to start just with what I heard you talk about where, like, what are the barriers for, at least between the two of us, that we have felt as therapists, the barriers to get to therapy and to actually take care of ourselves. So number one, we are the first client to kick off our caseload. Mm -hmm. I think that for me, that comes in with a sense of, well, I have spent a very long time and a lot of energy and effort to know what I know, to study what I study, and to filter it through all of these experiences in, in therapy that realistically, or at least in, in reality, has been thousands of hours of therapy that I have conducted. Not that I've been to, but that I have conducted and facilitated. And so being like deep in the tunnels of human existence, navigating that gives me confidence to help people. Also, I don't see myself as others see me, unless I ask, unless I, you know, I'm really open to that feedback. And that can be very vulnerable. Yeah. And it takes work to be able to take what somebody says, to filter it through, how true is this? How, how much does this actually resonate with me? How much do I need to humble myself to actually hear what they're saying versus you know what, that just doesn't fit me. And I need to put boundaries up of that. I'm not going to take that on because it's not who I am. If we're talking about, um, mm -hmm. you know, I brought up earlier in a conversation that we didn't record, talked about Ted Lasso and <laughs> I love soccer and I love comedy and it's like a awesome kind of mix for me. So in an episode, Ted says, He's talking about people who have judged him and he, it always got under his skin until he was driving by a quote from Walt Whitman. And the quote says, be curious, not judgmental. I love that one. And he realized at that, he, he realized at that moment that the people that have judged him weren't being curious. Mm -hmm. They were just being judgmental. So that's what I mean by when I say, there are, there are times where I need to not take on what other people think about me. And yeah. God knows, I have been taking on people's opinions about me for my whole life. Now I'm finally coming to the terms of, you know what? I'm not for everybody. <laughs> and I'm, I can't be for everyone if I'm going to be myself. If I'm going to be Ben and love Ben and care about him. I can't be something for everyone. Hmm. So 
when I'm in the tunnels of human existence and I'm navigating kind of the scary bits of people's lives, it's impacting me. And I know that, and I know that I need to take what I know and apply it to myself. In the last few years, I've been doing that a whole lot better than I ever really gave myself credit for. Well, because the other part of this that I know is a huge disservice in general is our work alone takes a toll on us that deserves, that requires, deserves, is best served by our own processes. Mm-hmm. Like I know I have stuffed into my, my being other people's trauma in massive doses. And that on top of my own stuff, of course I need to process through some shit on a lot of levels. It permeates. It can't, we can't help it. We can't help but be affected by other people's stories and lives, especially if we care about them. Man. <clears throat> and so it's, it's, it's a competition, I think, of resources, especially time. Where when I was, you know, I, I'm thinking specifically about the time that I worked at the mental health center, it was very limited time that I had to really give myself a lot of care. Like, and I'm thinking like the sort of rat race during the day of go, 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 go from one session to the next session to the next session. And them all all of those sessions being uh, typically quite intense. <laughs> and so I had to apply coping skills and my knowledge of like mm. myself and, and the content of my theoretical point of view and all of this. And I to be able to keep my head above water. Well, cause there's something to this conversation where we have to acknowledge the the hierarchy of needs of humanity in general, of the population of people that when we were working together was incredibly intense. I mean, we were hovering with them at the very bottom of that pyramid. I don't know, maybe there's a hierarchy of needs specific to the therapist, but how far ahead of your client population can you get on the, on the pyramid, right? If my constant day-to-day thoughts are about mm-hmm. making sure that people have food, clothing, and shelter, I'm not getting very far on self-actualizing anyone or anything, including myself. Right. And so there may be something to, I think your original question was, how do you, how do you know when it's time? I, I think there's also something to the fact that I know I'm, I'm at time now realistically because I'm not in survival mode the way I was when I was so incredibly burned out and taxed from that particular job too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is saying something. You know, it was a lot of survival. Like when our caseloads on the pediatric team shifted over to serving the highest need people and we had less on our caseload, but we had more intense cases. And it seemed like at minimum 50% of the sessions I had per week. So, you know, I don't know, seven to 10 of them are about intervening around suicide and cutting and aggression and all this. And it's, you know, I sat in the midst of it and then I typed the note. And so how much of that is like imprinting all of that into my mind? Oh, you mean you... You mean you participated in that the same way you you learned to memorize and study in order to take really difficult tests about factual information? Oh, wow. So you intentionally embedded it in your mind as hardwired as you can? Thanks. Great. Thank you. Hear it and write it down. Honestly, that's, that's a huge aha moment. Thank you. Like, getting through? Of course. Of course. Like, how do I? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I didn't even realize the way that our work is set up literally crams this trauma into our brain more. Oh gosh! 
<laughs> we are so excited that you are here. And although we're really excited to share our stories and our experiences of being professional helpers, we're really excited to hear and share your stories too. Absolutely. We need each other. So don't forget, you can reach us at beingthework on Instagram. You can also email us beingthework at gmail.com. We are wide open for questions and discussions and connecting. Join the conversation, be connected, and doing and being the work. You're, you're reinforcing my point of the habits that we have. I don't know. We have a sense of hubris, I think. And, I, and I'm talking about me and you, <laughs> but I'm also talking about the, the counselors that I know, uh, the therapists that I know. We have a sense of hubris that we are so knowledgeable, which is not, not true. I mean, it's true. We've done a lot of hard work. We're very knowledgeable about a lot of things and we're very skillful. Man, we are very skillful. Yeah. Now, with that being said, though, and I'm thinking of Johari's window, like mm. I see myself as myself, but I don't necessarily see myself as you see me. Mm -hmm. And so perspective is just difficult, especially when we're super busy. And we're super busy with a lot of intense things. Mm -hmm. So all of that context to say, I'm not judging anyone, but I do think that we have a sense of hubris to say, I got this. I'm good. I can do this. Yeah. I, 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 I am very aware of how often I advocate to my clients to have a supportive system around them and to admit when they need help. That's a a need for us to have to reach out rather than to avoid contact with people. Of course. And so, I mean, that's, that's a big part of like going to therapy. You know, I got really burnt out and I had some like back issues that happened around the same time while I was working at the mental health center and chronic pain is incredibly influential in the depression that I developed didn't feel like my body was my body anymore. It has to be so taxing. It was an incredible time of my life of transition of trying to figure out how to like live, live my life again, because everything got really constricted. My activity got constricted. My what I thought about got constricted. My desire to venture out and talk to people and to have relationships and to nurture those relationships, everything was filtered through how will this impact my, my back and my pain? Because I would rather be alone and not in pain than go do all these activities and be suffering. And that was tough. Constricted as such. I mean, it's just a striking word just to feel that closing in on you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I got into therapy. I started taking some antidepressants to help with that. And I got my life back. And I've been to therapy a few times in the last, I don't know, three years or so. I took advantage of the EAP that we had, the Employee Assistant Program. And that was good, but it was like a prescribed person that I didn't get to choose. Right. Right. It was like the best out of the bucket that I, you know, had access to. And I mean, she was wonderful, but it was, it was, it wouldn't have been my choice. Like that's not the person that, that I would have chose. Like, I do think there's something to helping the helper, the, the, the insider. Cause it's like a, a, how do you say that matryoshka ball matryoshka dolls the the nesting dolls there's something about that insider knowledge like i come already having x y and z covered but my knowledge base is pretty great but the way i'm enacting it mm -hmm. i know what to do i'm making sure i am handling how to be the helper of the helper 
there's a sense of like we go through all of this training to become experts in both mental health and facilitating growth that when it comes to our own growth we feel like we can facilitate that for ourselves but it's it's a it's this odd thing of like to be to be a client means that you have to admit you need help and it's to humble yourself to the process it doesn't necessarily admit that that person is smarter than you or the, like the the therapist you go to it doesn't mean that person's smarter than you right it doesn't mean that they know more than you or they have it more together than you but it means that to heal you have to realize that you are a full human being who cannot just be a robot expert and have all the answers having the answers doesn't fix loneliness it doesn't fix hurt or pain right it, and, and and it it is a, it's a humbling process well and that's it's the a, other that's the other way i i know that's the other way i know if your question is how do you know is it's the dead end of that lonely feeling of sure whatever i know what to quote unquote do i know what self-care habits i can get into and routines that make me feel better but the actual like connection and alliance required through that process that's what that's what's essential at this point mm -hmm. and i right. just know that i know that now right in a way that maybe might i don't know i've always kind of known it but this particular dead end is a new one i'm not i'm not buffering myself with a a system of clients and coworkers and peers and stuff the way i used to i'm at i'm at home mm. working and it's i'm very independent which i've always been very comfortable being independent but then there's that layer of loneliness that comes in that's different than just being alone right and so i think that the noise of where i was and what i was doing before also kind of muffled the the little cry of it's time mm -hmm. it's time yeah. We've been friends long enough that I know, I mean, I've got my own version of going into my own shell, but you've got yours too. Mm. And it's, I don't know. I think that there's something to talking about how therapists avoid just as much as our clients avoid. Because we're people. We do everything as much as everybody else does, damn it who can't be 100% mindful all the time. And if we're expecting ourselves to be perfect, even if it's like innocuous perfectionism where we don't really know that we're, we're expecting us ourselves to be perfect, I do think that there's a stigma inside the stigma of mental health among our peers that we it's shameful that the expert is having to get help and and it's 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 well and that for having to get help is already just contributing to that stigma too right like why does it have to be get help right it is getting help it's getting support it's getting assistance it's getting an alliance it's getting a teammate it's it's getting a coach it's getting all those things mm -hmm. but why do we have to phrase it like I gotta go get my head shrunk from a help, like from someone who can help me. Right. I don't, and I don't know why I have to go country with it. I go country with everything. <laughs> well, yeah. What's the twang about? I mean, well, some of it is because I've been listening. I told you I've been listening to Matthew McConaughey's memoir and his voice is just kind of in my head. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> well, because I think that is such a backwards way that we, <laughs> that we got stuck in this trap of mm -hmm. we're just as human as everybody else. That's probably why we're here, because we really get the highs and lows and appreciate and can see the beauty in joy and pain and confusion and chaos and misery and excitement and all of this stuff. Right. And all that we have that's different is whatever this education is that we pursued to get us here. Some knowledge, some information, some statistics. That really, when it comes to us, I think just contribute to our own guilt if we're not doing it perfectly, right? That perfectionism you're talking about. The only thing that makes us different is is technically 
knowing better. Right. And I think the experiences of applying that knowledge make it more convoluted and make us experience this sense of, I should be able to do it myself. Mm. It's tough. I think that there's more to this than just going to therapy. I think that there's a sense of, like, if we're talking about a more systemic issue of of stigma of mental health, that having a community where it's okay to have, you know, needs, it's okay to be human. It's okay to not be perfect. That's necessary. Yeah. Where I don't have to perform all the time. I don't have to be 100% all the time. I can bring my needs and talk about my needs and know that they're, you know, that's why I love AA. Uh, the idea of AA, I know that not all, all AAs are perfect, but to have a community to say, look, I'm not well right now. Yeah. It's necessary. Well, because we know that, you know, 12 step stuff isn't consistent from from group to group, but the thing that's consistent is community and really storytelling, like just standing up and being present and being real. Yeah. Having courage. With other people who are witnessing and honoring your courage. It just it just shows our own humanity, the vulnerabilities we have, the needs that we have, the desires. I mean, I think about this idea of the the growth and the vulnerability cannot be separated. Where yeah. something about my personal identity is that I want to be wanted. And a lot of my own fears you know, that go back to childhood are about not feeling like I belong. And helping people find that in their own lives is incredibly fulfilling to me. The typical discussions that I had in, in my master's programs with my professors were like, it was never like a deep conversation about understanding how I can use that in a way that is ethical and professional and also still very personally fulfilling. It was always this discussion about watch out for countertransference. Don't sleep with your clients. Don't be friends with them on Facebook. I mean, that's, that's those are the conclusions I got <laughs> and had to kind of figure out how to manage my relationships on my own. Which, to be honest, that was never an issue. Well, no, let's be clear. I'm fine. Never going to befriend a client and I'm never going to sleep with you. So, um, no. okay, cool. Thanks for the lesson. Got it. Like, thanks for telling me things I didn't need to know. A lot of this is actually a lot more complicated than that. <laughs> so but, you also led me to believe it was uh, overly simplified. Like if I just don't sleep with them, we'll be fine. But hold on. There's a lot of other things yeah. involved in those. Relationships. If I were able to earlier in my career, able to, identify those things that are like the personal draw to maybe over identify with someone's pain, make it my own, things like that, then I, I don't know what it what my career and my life would have looked like, but I'm, you know, able to see that through being able to go to therapy and and figure those things out for myself and talk to like find us find supervisors in my life that would and and professors that I would actually be more vulnerable with and not just uh be the you know model a plus student like I always had been oh god oh no you mean I have to go to therapy and not be a good student I don't know how to I would say redefine what a good student is having all the answers does not solve loneliness it doesn't solve vulnerability. It doesn't solve anything except, cool, you got an A+. Plus. But I like A+. Pluses. What does that actually do for us? It sets us apart and makes us number one, which, again, is this whole, like, ladder of success, like, climbing the ladder of success is like, okay, but really? Is that what we're trying to do? Well, and that's, those are the things that, that are coming together. Right. 
like in all seriousness, I I am. I mean, I'm a I'm a teacher's pet kind of kid. And going now feels like oh my gosh, it feels like the school dream I always had. And still have sometimes. Mm, we all mm-hmm, have a school dream, mm-hmm. right? Many of us. Many of us have a school dream. Mine happens to be that <laughs> oh shit, I hadn't thought about this. Maybe this is why I have this dream sometimes. That I it's the end of the semester, it's finals week, and I find out I've been enrolled in a class that I've never been to. And if I don't go and take the final, mm-hmm. then I'm going to fail because it's the only way to get any grade at this point. And for the record, Fs are not my thing. So. <laughs> no. Yes. Really? Seriously? Would, would an <sighs> F, like, really screw with your identity? A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it would. It would. And that's uh, me I could, too. Me I can admit that there's some fragility in that degree that those bits and pieces of my identity. Not all of me, a big part of me. Being a smart kid is what I leaned mm-hmm. on for a long, long, long time. And I still do a lot of the time. But oh shit. It does. It feels like I'm oh, it feels like I'm showing up late to class, dragging in all the work I was supposed to do all semester. Like, that backpack is very big and very full. And I'm like, oops, I meant to turn this in sooner, but I'm here now. Oh, no. Of course, like, it takes a lot of courage and effort and planning to to show up, face your shame, and allow someone else to see it especially when you've done all this work and I'm not you you told the story earlier I really resonate with this story of looking up your counselor that you're going to and already having you know presuppositions of what that person's actually going to be like to protect yourself well yeah I mean it's it's an illusion of power it's an illusion of because knowledge is power the more I know the more I can manage and control I know I know. I mean, it's a huge urge to manage and control the shame that you have. Oh, no. <laughs> Incredibly difficult. Shit. I just want to back up and say, for you to consider going to therapy, for you to consider having this conversation and putting it out to the world, is incredibly courageous. Thank you. Yeah. And so I take back this whole preparation stage shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, you're in action stage. This is this is definitely action. I don't know if I'm ready for action. You're already there. No way out but through. No way out but through. I, I, I revere the process of therapy. It is revealing. It is healing. It is wonderful. And I think that every one of us should be able to experience that and have access to it. I agree. Ugh, I agree so wholeheartedly that like there's almost thanks. And I, I know I'm, too, I, I realize I'm too hard on myself in some ways, but there's almost another layer of shame of like, of course I believe that. Of course I believe all of that. And I have to fucking show up for what I actually believe and connecting the dots of why instead of falling into my traps of why not, I can do why. The biggest thing for me is has been like the burning sensations of vulnerability in the in the presence of my therapist and realizing the only person in the room who was like scared of me <laughs> was me <laughs> yeah and scared of my baggage scared of my shame is me. And that's the embodiment of this concept that I like it's the con like the concept that I would like preach <laughs> would be no, accept yourself. Right? Self-acceptance, love yourself, self-care, all this stuff. And that's the like Instagram version, the Instagram <laughs> post. Yes. But the actual embodiment of all of that is in a whole body experience. Merging that, those two 
opposite ends of that piece of I'm the expert who knows the process and I'm advocating for people to trust the process Mm -hmm. while also experiencing that process of going in saying, I'm going to be curious about who I am and what goodness I'll find. Yeah. The, and I think being and doing is a lot of, of this conversation of allow yourself to be the work and apply this to yourself Mm -hmm. um, and be proud that it, that you're doing it because it's a wonderful process. Mm -hmm. Switching roles from being a therapist to being a client, I think that's embracing your whole self. That's the mission of the year anyway. Mm -hmm. Kind of from the the chair to the couch. One of the things that in this McConaughey memoir I picked up randomly, he said, less impressed, more involved. I was struggling to find the words earlier because it's stuck in my head, but it's less impressed and more involved. And that's, that's the mindfulness of it. Instead of sitting back and watching... What have you been, what have you been too focused on, like the impression of things, like being impressed by something and how do you apply that statement to yourself? Basically, it connected immediately to mindfulness to me. Like I'm a DBT therapist. I can't help it. It's kind of just, I, it found me the dialectics of all of it, being impressed versus Mm -hmm. being involved, participating versus observing right um right doing and being it's both the impressed part i thought for me is more about the that knowledge is power idea that the pursuit of of knowing things logic Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. that's what connected for me is i am a, a logical analyst learner observer and i don't like to get my hands sticky so but that puts me out of balance. When I heard you say that, I, it resonated for me that the thing that I'm impressed, that I have been seduced into being impressed by is this kind of myth of the expert. Yeah, exactly that. And trying to pursue an expert role in my work so that I could be impressive. Right, to be the smartest and the coolest and the, yeah. And that if I can become impressive, then I will do the impression, right? I will impress on people what's impressive, and they will then be trying to be me. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. And it just sounds exhausting when you talk. Like why? It's just so twisty-turny back on itself. If I just... It's, if it's my shame to own, then I'm going to own it. If it's not my shame to own, then I'm going to give it back. And I'm going to realign my fences to have the boundaries that I need. And at the end of the day, I don't have a lot to hide. So I'm going to turn my microphone on and I'm going to tell you I'm looking for a therapist. And I'll let you know how that goes. <laughs> so tune in. Blakely's going to therapy. I'm excited. I'm so excited I, that you're looking for a therapist. I don't know who. I don't know where. I don't know when. But. Now I have homework. <laughs> I can't wait for Woo! the updates. I, I know, can't wait. I can't either. I haven't seen my therapist in maybe a month. And this last week I was going, oh my God, when do I see him again? Because I don't know that I can <laughs> handle this stuff. The other thing that both motivates me and holds me back is, uh, I want to just already have that relationship. It's like having to sign up for an online dating app. Like, I don't want to swipe. Oh. I don't want to mm-hmm. swipe and I don't mm-hmm. want to. Say, hey, what do you do? I don't want to date. I don't want to date. I just want to get married. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get married. Therapist at first sight. <laughs> oh, God. That's such a therapist. No one else would laugh at that except for us. <laughs> like, therapist at first sight. Jeez. Well, I think it's funny. What would you be interested to know from those people that are listening? Um, What do you want to know from them about their own process? I, a couple of things have, have popped into my mind while we talked about this. One of them being what kind of messed up relationships were we all in when we were doing the schooling to become what we are now? Is that just me? Because I don't think so. 
but really, really, I, I'm curious for the helpers to shout out their own helpers. Have you had an experience in therapy that just stuck with you like blue? Mm -hmm. Yes. To answer your question, I have, and I am very curious about that stuff uh, from our Mm -hmm. audience as well. I think I would like to know what are the roles of therapy and community in our own well-being? I mean, that is a mission that we have is to create a community of 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 human helpers who want to embrace yeah. their humanity and want to be the best helper they can be through embracing their humanity. That's that's so that's a huge thing for me is what's the difference between the roles in in our lives of being a being in therapy, but also having a strong yeah. community. Yeah, and how does, I mean, how does that community support you in doing and being this work, right? Because sure. it's both. I know we lean for on sure. each other a lot for consult and resources and all of those the formal things. But damn, there's, mm-hmm. there's just the, well, the therapist jokes, right? It's all that stuff too. As always, we're, amazed, impressed, excited that we're still in your ears and that you're rejoining us and that you're diving into these conversations that I, I don't, I don't think are happening all that much in other spaces. So I hope it's, I hope it's refreshing. I just want to remind you that it's always appropriate to reach out for help and to get your needs met. This podcast is for, you know, social connection and support Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's not your treatment, and we want sure. you to be able to get access to that. So please visit our show notes for some resources to help you find a place to go if you are needing some help. So you can reach out to us to share your story and to talk to us about what you're hearing. That is at Being the Work on Instagram, or you can email us at beingthework at gmail.com. Join the conversation. Let's get connected in doing and being the work.